Welcome to Leveling the Playing Field, a podcast featuring women who work in sport. My name is Bobby Sue Doyle Hazard. Welcome back from Thanksgiving week. I hope you all had a great Thanksgiving. I did. I got to spend some time with a two-week-old. How cute. Um, and of course, ate all the food and you know did all of that stuff. Um, I don't have a lot of lead-in to this week's episode, and I'm so excited for you all to hear it. Um, our guest is Kate Parker. Kate is a photographer. Um, she started off, though, working on the production side as like a video editor and media assistant for CNN, um, and then again, a producer at um, kind of like a commercial agency. Um, and all of those experiences helped her when she decided after her first itty bitty was born um, that she was going to become a photographer. And her photographs are amazing. Um, you may have seen them as they went viral <laughs> at one point, um, and they were all over on BuzzFeed, on HuffPo. Um, they were these really beautiful pictures of girls being gritty and dirty and active. Um, the series became a book called Strong is the New Pretty, uh, celebration of girls being themselves. And it has been such a success. I own the book. Um, I, I just had to buy it once I saw it. It came out last year in 2017. It's been featured on CNN, The Today Show. I mean, she's been all over the place with that book, um, which was then turned into a journal, which was released this year. So it's a guided journal for girls. Um, and I, if you have girls um, or you have nieces or granddaughters, I highly recommend the book and the journal. Um, they, they're such good gifts. It's a perfect time of year to do this. They really do just show um, girls in their natural habitats, basically, and all different types of girls. It's something I love so much. Um, it's super diverse and inclusive, and there's someone in there that you know, every girl can relate to. Um, Kate has then uh, and now has a new book coming out in April that you can pre-order. It's called The Heart of a Boy, Celebrating the Strength and Spirit of Boyhood. And again, I mean, she does such a good job of showing the vulnerability and emotion um, of these boys and the story of how she got to... Um, creating this book um, is kind of funny. Kate herself was an athlete growing up and through college. Um, she is a very big supporter of empowerment of girls and women and in particular um, being our authentic selves and um, being a little messy at times. And so the there may not be a direct sports correlation, although once you see these photographs, you'll, you'll see a lot of sports in there. Um, but it really is just such a good message. Um, she has said that the most successful girls and women that she has photographed, um, you know, the, the, their success, not the success of the photograph, um, 
has been through grit and determination and it hasn't always been pretty. And a lot of times there's, you know, um, an obstacle, but they just keep going. And so it is just such a lovely book. I, I've been such a big fan of hers ever since I first saw these photographs, um, these images. They're just, they're beautiful. Um, and I think she really does a great job of capturing every one of her subjects. Um, she is super fun to talk to, and I hope you enjoy listening to this interview with Kate Parker. Hey, Kate. Hey, how are you? I am great. Thank you so, so much for being on the podcast today. Oh, thank you for having me. I'm, I, I've been wanting to get you on and I was the worst about a year ago and I, I think I flaked on you once but was so excited that you agreed to to do it still and um, I'm just a big fan of yours. Oh my gosh, thank you. I appreciate that and yeah, I'm very glad to be here. Um, so how I usually start is by asking our guests, how did you fall in love with sports? Oh, that's a great question. I I think for me, I was I'm the youngest of four kids and I have two older brothers that both played soccer and all I wanted to do as, as like a kid was be like my brothers. <laughs> and so this as in like the early eighties um, and getting to play soccer, I had to wait until I think I was seven years old and I just couldn't wait. And I couldn't wait. And I couldn't wait in the second like, that I was able to play. I just loved it. It was just like, for me, it was just a chance to be like wild and fierce and like intense and all of those things like were celebrated on the soccer field. <laughs> yeah. So it's just like you could be like yourself 100%. And it was, people were like, oh, you play with heart and you play so strong and you never give up. And I was just like, well, of course, that's how you play, you know. <laughs> um, I just loved and I loved like, you know, the friends that I made. I just that's I just fell in love with the whole team aspect. And um, um, I think it, got, it came from my brothers. When um, you played all through high school and into college, right? Yes. Did, um, did you try any other sports or were you just a, I'm a full on soccer girl? I mean, I tried other stuff. I played, I ran track, um, and I played softball. I played basketball a little bit. Um, but I was really, that was the other sports I was like really just using to kind of stay in shape for soccer. And, Mm -hmm. um, I, yeah, that was definitely like my true love. Like both of my brothers played in college as well. And, um, I didn't, I didn't really seem to, I always wonder, I'm like, am I a good athlete or was I just like good at soccer? Cause I'm like terrible at basketball <laughs> and like, other sports. I think I'm like, I'm not quite sure. Like there's something that clicks with soccer for me that didn't click with other sports. Sure. Well, I mean, soccer to me seems like one of the hardest sports to play mostly because I have no coordination and yeah. I would end up tripping over the ball yeah. <laughs> like a four-year-old. Um, so I only ran. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I did softball a little bit, but like, I think that's how running was for me, you know, as soccer was for you was like, that's the one that clicked. Um, yeah. And then everything else, I just, I didn't, 
I didn't understand how my body worked. So, <laughs> which even to this day, I'll make that comment uh, even now. I'll be like, I don't understand how I'm supposed to like you're at yoga. And they're like, move your pelvis. I'm like, I don't know what that means. Yeah. Like, I don't have body awareness. <laughs> I don't get it. Nobody taught me this. <laughs> um, when, when did you start taking pictures? Um, so I started shooting, I, I started learning how to shoot a camera manually, um, maybe a year or so after my first daughter was born. Um, I, I, my, my background, I, I worked before that I worked as a video editor at, I was at, I worked at CNN and then I worked as a producer, um, making commercials for an mm-hmm. ad agency. So my background was kind of like making things compelling and pleasing to your eye on like a screen. And then when I had Ella, I stopped working. I stayed home with her and I was like, Oh, well I I took pictures of her all the time. Like I did, you know, like every parent does, but I, I wanted, I guess my taste level from working years and years with like, um, you know, art directors and designers my taste level was pretty high. And then my skill level as a photographer was not. <laughs> so I just kept like, oh, I, I wanted to look like the way I wanted. I saw it in my head. I didn't have a skill set and I didn't have the equipment. Um, and I just didn't have the tools. So I just kept like slowly like teaching myself how to make, try to match in my head what I saw um, like on the back of the camera. That's incredible. Um, when you... So you, this wasn't something that you thought of doing when you were younger. Um, How did you, you went to Wake Forest, um, you got your bachelor's in communication and media studies. When you were going into college, obviously soccer played a role in determining where you went, I'm sure. Yeah, Um, 100%. Yeah. How did you figure out, you know, what you were going to major in and what did you think? think you wanted to do for your career going in? That's a great question. So I, I knew I wanted to work in, I wanted to work at like TV. I wanted to do something with storytelling. And, um, like I made a documentary my senior year on our soccer team. Whoa. Um, I called it, yeah, the documentary. Um, cause my, <laughs> my, I had like a class I audited my, so my freshman year was the first year that Wake Forest had a women's team. And so my senior year was like, we were like the pioneers. So we were graduating. And so I had a camera with me like everywhere that last season at practices, at parties, which is insane at, you know, at, um, games at, you know, I had it everywhere. And, um, I edited it and it was, I, you know, I submitted it for a grade. Um, it's ridiculous looking at it now. Um, but it, it was like something that, uh, I just was always sort of wanted to work in TV and all my internships. Like I had internships at Geraldo. Oh my at, God. Like, stop it. Yes. <laughs> and like Nick at night. And uh, that's kind of what I wanted to do. And that's what I started doing. You know, I worked at CNN and worked creating commercials and, um, that's what I ended up doing. And, um, I, I really loved it. I, I enjoyed that. I've enjoyed that production and, and creating, creating things that people wanted to watch or were intrigued by. And it's so interesting that because of 
what you were used to seeing and, and, you know, pushing out to clients is what you expected of yourself. Right. Mm -hmm. And so, um, that, that drive to, you know, learn more is, is really interesting, but you also, I mean, everything kind of set you up for this business that you have now because, you know, you had handled, you know, budgets, you'd been working with clients directly. You, you, mm-hmm. you understand how to, to handle everything from a commercial aspect. Yeah, that's true. I totally am very thankful for all of the, like all of my previous jobs. Cause I, I work with ad agencies now because I shoot commercially. So I completely understand where they're coming from. You know, I understand the agency side, which um, I think is a benefit as a photographer. And because I, I understand like, like I know a lot of photographers and they're, you know, don't, they kind of push against that, you know, you have to be creative. There's so many, when you shoot commercially, there's so many parameters about where, you know, like the copy is going here and then the image is going here and it has to have, four people and they all have to be looking at you or, you know, it's very specific Mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. I think it can be challenging, but I love it. Like I love having, I love having those parameters because then you have to be creative. You have to be creative in that box. And then I also get the option when I'm working on books and personal projects, I can do anything I want. So I have both. So I really love that. Like, I don't, I don't think that, that it's, it's like, I mean, it's like hamstringing me too much, you know, I'm like, okay, I can, I can definitely, let's do the best we can when we, you know, we have all of these rules that are, that we cannot change, like, you know, like, but let's make it the best we can within that. What, um, how did you, like, when did you know that this was something that you were going to create into a business? Um, so it started really small. So I was like, even honestly, before I could shoot commercially or sorry, manually, I was like, Oh, I want to do this for business. Maybe somebody will pay me <laughs> like, if, like five, I don't care if five families want me to take their pictures. That's enough. I was like, that's perfect. And then, um, and then it grew from there. Cause I was, and then I, cause I was like, I am not going to do like what, every other family photographer does. Like I wanted to shoot the images that I really liked where the kids were being real and um, laughing and not looking at the camera. And I was like, I don't care if anybody hires me, but I want, I want to do that kind of work. So I had a plan. Like I set out to do, I did like a bunch of free sessions where I should not have been shooting professionally. So I did a bunch of free (laughs) sessions to like, okay, this is the kind of stuff I'm going to shoot. And then over the years, it just grew and grew, and I started to do weddings, and then I would shoot for some of my friends that were, um, they worked in the ad agency, and um, he, I did his family photos, and he was like, oh, my boss saw your photos and um, wanted to know if you would be interested in doing a commercial job, and it's portraits, and I was like, I could shoot portraits, and so... I gave him a budget because I knew what I knew how to deal with talent. And I, cause just because that was my background. Yeah. So that's how I sort of got into, um, commercial work, which was crazy. Cause I was like, Oh, I, I could do this. It just, it just really slowly, slowly grew. Like I had no idea and had no aspirations to like, to do a book, to do shoot commercially. I just wanted, I wanted my own business. I wanted my own thing that I could kind of 
you know, control and grow and, and, and have a creative outlet. Yeah. I mean, it, you know, also allowed you the time to spend with your girls Mm -hmm. and, you know, eventually, you know, as you and I were off air talking about, you know, to be picky about what your next projects are. Right. Yeah. Which is so cool. Um, and I see, so it's like, I kind of laugh because I'm like, I see so many people I know from like high school or college who like becoming the stay at home mom photographer has been kind of this trend, I think over the last 10 years. (laughs) And so it's really interesting to, to watch because I mean, yeah, you, you just learn this, you learn the skills as you go along. Right. Oh, yeah, definitely. Like, I should not have been charging. I look back at that my stuff and I'm like, oh, my gosh. <laughs> but it was, yeah, like, I think it's just all, it's, it's all part of, like, it's all part of, like, where doing everything I, I have to, like, kind of get to where I am today. It's all learning. And um, I don't know. I'm not, I used to be sort of embarrassed about that. But now I'm really I'm kind of proud of it. You know, I used to not want to say like, oh, I started as a family photographer or, or, oh, I taught myself how to shoot because I just thought it was not, you know, it wasn't this great pedigree or I didn't go to photo school. Um, but now I'm like, no, I'm proud of that part. I'm proud of that, that that's how it started. And I think it's just um, definitely like, it's sort of more relatable like that. Oh no, I didn't, I didn't attend for this. I did cause I, I didn't plan on any of this happening or, or having, you know, it just wasn't, it was just, um, yeah, it's just kind of, I, I wanted, I was very driven and I still am really driven, but it wasn't like I had this grand plan to do books and things like that. Right. Well, I mean, when you were in college, you wanted to be the executive producer of the Jerry Springer show. Yes, yes. So, (laughs) or Maury. I mean, Maury. I was open. Yeah, right. One of those. Um, (laughs) Ricky Lake, even maybe. Oh Uh, oh my gosh, remember her? Um, I, you know, whatever. Yeah, fine. I may or may not be comparing myself to Oprah these days. Um, Like, I have a podcast. I can totally be Oprah. Yeah. Did I get free car? <laughs> yeah. Everyone gets a free car. Um, so, you know, you speaking about how you didn't use to talk much or, or tell the story of how you got into this is really interesting because it, I mean, it's, I relate to it so much. Um, it, it, part of it's that imposter syndrome thing, right? Like, <laughs> yes, it's, you know, what am I even doing here around these people? (laughs) You know, um, for me, it's, I, I've, you know, kind of like been, I don't know, like that little scrappy thing that kind of like fights my way into everything. So like, I'm the first to graduate college on any side of my four year college on any side of my family law school, who the hell knew about that. And then somehow, you know, I end up working for a professional sports team. What? Um, when after graduating law school, I was waitressing for two years because I couldn't find a job. Like the oh wow yeah 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 that was fun. Um, <laughs> but I you know I didn't go to a, a you know top ten law school. I didn't. I, I've never worked in a law firm, and 
And so many of the people in sports law have these ridiculous, like a lot of my counterparts at the other teams have these incredible pedigrees. And I just laugh. I'm like, I don't even know what I'm doing around you people. Like, I just don't. And, and when I talk with them, they're like, no, it's pretty incredible. Like, you know, and you just don't realize it because it's you doing it. So you just assume anyone can do it. Yeah. But yeah, you're like, yeah, if you stack the odds up, it's probably like a million to one. (laughs) Right. Right. And like, awesome. And, but to teach yourself to, I mean, Kate, these pictures that you put out into the world are un, un, like they're unreal. They're so real. They're unreal. I mean, if that makes sense, um, they're gorgeous. And to, I don't know, like you teaching yourself that that's out of control. (laughs) I think it was just there, you know, I think I was just like, this is, I, yeah, it's funny because it did all sort of like come together for, for that. Yeah. Like all the, the background definitely worked to, to create, help create like what I'm doing now and helps me with, with definitely with what I'm doing now. And then yes, but a hundred percent I have imposter syndrome. Like I'm like, what, who, why do you think that I'm, I should do this job? <laughs> okay. <laughs> and then it's, it is like people say, you just have to fake it. you got to fake it. Cause yeah. you're like, no, nobody feels like they belong. I mean, I guess some people do. I don't know anybody that's like, yes, I 100% deserve this. They're men. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's true. I don't know any women. <laughs> that's true. Uh, I know some women, and, and there, are, there are a few that, like, because they've, they've done the work, right? They've done the internal work to be like, no, I belong here. You know, like, like you talk to... Dr. Jen Welter, and she's like, no, I fucking belong here. This is... Such a badass. Oh, my God. I just saw her yesterday. Um, She and I are are friends, but she was uh, at our game, so... Oh, my God. She sent me a text being like, are you here? I'm like, yeah, are you here? (laughs) (laughs) What? Um, Yeah, she's incredible. She uh, was one of my first guests, and um, I had reached out to her just on LinkedIn, and she's like, yeah, I'll come over. Come on. I'll come over and do the interview, stop by training camp, say hi to people. I'm like, okay. Oh my God. That's so cool. Yeah. Um, but like, you know, she's definitely somebody who I think has gotten to a point where she's like, no, I know I belong here. You may not realize it, but I realize it. Um, wow. and it's, those are goals. That's goals. Yeah. Wow. 2019, Kate. Yeah, 2019. That's what, that's what we're working on. Um, yeah. When does does Ella ever get jealous of the quality of photos from when she was a baby to when you had Alice? <laughs> um, no, she doesn't. No, she doesn't. They could care less about <laughs> what I do. And like they the only thing, the only issue is that. So Ella, my oldest, 13 year old, is on the cover of Strong as the New Pretty. Right. And my nephew, um, who's five, is on the cover of Heart of a Boy. And Alice is like, really? <laughs> like, who's my 10 year old? Is like, when am I getting on a cover of a book? <laughs> I'm like, um, all right, I just have to do one. I'll have to make sure that you're on the cover of whatever the next one is, Alice. <laughs> Oh, but she, I mean, her pictures are, she just cracks me up. 
she's she is a character. She yeah, she's like a she's her own like TV show. Just <laughs> watching her, she's fun. Yeah, she's definitely like not into yeah. Talk about confident and not intimidated and just mm-hmm. yeah. That's she is. She's impressive. I I, <laughs> I, I just kind of stand back and let her do her thing. I, it's it's phenomenal, and you're just you must just be tied to a camera at all times. I have yeah, I have my camera with me a lot, um, and I try yeah because there's just like there's always great moments, and I think that's honestly that's like one of the things that is not a skill. It is not talent. It is just. Like it's annoying sometimes. I'm like, oh, I gotta. I'm, let me get my camera. Let me get my camera. <laughs> but it, it's part of like that moment can happen it and just, recognizing it. Yeah, yeah, and recognizing like it's sort of like a discipline to get the camera and bring it with you. And I and I'll notice sometimes I'll get lazy about it, and I'm like, come on, you know, like it's like sports. I'm like, all right, you gotta do it. Time, so you know, just bring it. Something, you know. Yeah. You never know when you're gonna get like this. These amazing images. And um, I always just I would just want to make sure that I, I have the opportunity at least. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> and you do so well. I everyone's gonna be like, oh my god, what what are you gushing over? And if people who are listening to this haven't seen your work, uh, I don't. I'm just gonna hit them over the head. Um, <laughs> because, well, because it's been everywhere. So you you know, strong as the new pretty started off as a series, and I think part of your story that I love the most is that you attempted a gallery show. Uh-huh. Can you talk about that? Yeah. So after maybe like three or four years of shooting, um, I, so I was like the athlete in me, I entered like every competition I could. Cause I was just like, Oh, you want to like, this is how you, <laughs> this is how you are good. If you get an award. Right. <laughs> and so I, I was in this competition or like I, I got to, I got to be part of a, in a gallery in Atlanta and it worked out really well because the gallery owner saw this one image of mine and said, Oh, I really like your work. Let's, we we're doing a, a show, um, that where moms, you know, mothers who are artists have, you know, sh- you know, showcase their daughters or their kids in their work. And I was like, Oh, that's perfect. And so I look, it was a big learning process of, okay, the photographer, you have to pay for the printing, you have to pay for the framing. And that's really expensive mm-hmm. um, for 20 images. So uh, the, the gallery, but you make money because they sell them. <laughs> and <laughs> um, so yeah, I did all this work, found like 20 images that told a story, printed them, framed them, had them in the gallery, went to the opening, nothing sold oh at all. Like not one single image sold. They are literally all hanging in my great room right now because I'm like, it's one of those dumb double story, you know, like it's yeah. open on top. And I'm like, what do you put in there? And I was like, oh, well, I have 20 pictures to hang. <laughs> yeah. They're all mine. Um, and so nothing sold. But one of the things, you know, I was like, I got mad. Or for, I first got like, oh, I'm a terrible photographer, which is, of course, what we go to is like, I'm. I'm not worthy. I'm terrible. Um, and then I got, I think the athlete in me, I got mad and I was like, no, there's something else here. I did a lot of work and I want a few other people to see these. So I said it, I sent him to like, 
like three or four blogs that I followed. And then those, and they were like art and culture blogs, not these giant, you know, and I was just like, Hey, here's, here's a few images. And I just made it as easy as, as possible for people. If they wanted to run a story, I gave them the images. I gave them like a little paragraph about what they were about. And they, they went everywhere. They went viral. They were like on the Today Show and on CNN, and which is funny. My old employer. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then, then everything started happening from there. Like people, um, I got contacted about doing a, a book, and um, it just was a crazy time because I was like, "That is not my. That was not what I meant to do. I just was mad." Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all this other stuff didn't necessarily happen. And. And the impetus for the, like, or the, I don't know, the, the, the story behind the pictures, um, and, and how you got them. I mean, they were mostly of like your girls, your nephew, your, their friends, right? Mm -hmm. So I, I didn't know, like, I knew that my goal when I was shooting all the time was like, was trying to show was trying to show my girls for kind of who they were. I didn't want them to. Um, I didn't want them like, especially we live in Atlanta. You know, we're in the South. There's a lot of like bows and and um, you know, like just a lot of a lot of um, manipulation. I guess like little girls' hair is perfect, and I, my girls did not look like that at all. They were. <laughs> like messy and their hair wasn't brushed and they're muddy and their clothes did not match or, you know, I just kind of let them, I let them, I let them be. And, um, the, um, what I noticed, like when, cause I had to pick the 20 strongest images to show as part of the show, when I saw them kind of as, a, as a whole piece, it made me realize that, that we didn't see a lot of pictures of girls like that. And that, after seeing that, I was like, I want, I started shooting more and more intentionally for that because I didn't want my girls to think that they needed to change themselves from who they were um, to be accepted or to be beautiful. And there's so much stuff that, that we see is photoshopped or facetuned or filtered or, mm -hmm. you know, manipulated in some way that, that I wanted to put a little bit of what was real for girls and what real girls look like, what real girls were doing, what real girls felt like out in the world to combat like the 99% of what we saw that wasn't true. Well, and especially with social media and how yeah. curated a lot yeah. of people make their feeds, right? Yes. And like we, I mean, as adults, we understand that and we, and we, Sometimes we are fooled by it. yes, and but like kids don't know that right. nobody's skin looks like that. Oh, look, her she's photoshopped. Like that is you know that's not her real body. Or okay, that that room there, it's like perfectly clean in that one little section that she cleaned to take her photo. Right. So I feel like there should be like a class, you know, to understand how to. So I was just trying to to show some reality and. Um, about what girls look like and what they liked to do and, you know, how they acted and how, how they felt. Um, so I really, I feel like it was like kind of a mission after, after that, when I saw that, I was like, Oh no, I, this is really important. And then you go viral. Yeah. Yeah. Which was like 
overwhelming. I, it's funny. I had this like anxiety of, like a, for like a couple weeks. I was like, what is the point? Like I was just because I was like, these are my kids. And I was like, I was like, what am I doing? Because there wasn't like a whole there wasn't a greater good, I guess, at that point. There wasn't like, let's try to change. It was just more like this mom is taking photos of her daughters and um, it that I guess the project hadn't really um, coalesced to the point that I was like, I'm doing some good here. I just felt like sort of sh- just kind of shake it, I guess, for a little mm-hmm. bit. And then the opportunity to do a book and and expand the kind of strength that and the kind of girls like really just increasing the diversity because at that point the only subjects were my girls and their friends, which is very specific kind of girl. You know, they're all like little tomboys that live north of Atlanta in a certain area. So, cause I wasn't trying to, I wasn't trying to make this major statement with that work at that point. So um, <laughs> having the chance to like shoot girls from all over the country with tons of diversity of what they were interested in, what they looked like, where they came from um, was really important as part of like trying to make the book something broader and the message to be more um, accessible. Well, and you're so inclusive in it, you know, with, um, you know, girls who have different abilities and, um, and, you know, just showing them, it's just, it's another thing that I really like about it is that it's just, it is, it's diverse and it's inclusive, inclusive. And I think any girl who gets the book, um, will connect with it. Oh, that's, that's awesome. Cause that was my goal. I wanted girls when they got the book to be number one, find somebody that inspired them. And number two, somebody that they could relate to. So I was like, I really wanted to get, because it, I, I, I guess I probably about a third of the book was already done with like pictures I had been shooting for years, but I was like the new, these new pictures that I'm shooting specifically for this book. I wanted to really, I wanted it as diverse as possible. And I wanted to show, yeah, different abilities, different strengths, different interests. And, um, I think we did a good job. Like that's, that's where my, it was really great to have my, you know, like a team working on it, my editor and, and uh, the publisher making sure that like, we tried to think of everything, you know, Mm -hmm. we're like, okay, what, what do we, what do we need? What are we missing? Where, where do we need to go? Um, so that it was, it was, that was a really great like collaborative process to try and make sure that, Oh, we, we, we don't have too many sports, but we have, you know, cause not everybody, that's not their outlet. I just wanted girls with, with passions, right. whatever they were. I wanted those passions to be part of it. And how did you find them? Um, it was a mix. So after the, after everything went viral, I got a lot of emails and, you know, messages up with girls like saying, Oh, I want to be a part of this project. Love this project. And then, yeah, which was great. And, um, then the next, so the next part was being like, well, we have soccer players. We're good on soccer players. (laughs) (laughs) No, it was just trying to find. So if I would go like, so when I would travel for commercial jobs, wherever it was, I would try to tack on a day. So if I was going to LA, I don't have, we don't have a lot of surfers in Atlanta. So I would try to get (laughs) surfers or skaters or if I would go to like, it's just depending on where I would go. I would try to find things that were sort of specific to that, like 
area, what kids were interested in. Um, and so I would put, because basically it's not like, you can't go just like some random place and start shooting kids because right. you, you get arrested. You get in <laughs> trouble so, for that. So I would put a call out on social media, be like looking for this or this. Um, base, yeah, I was just looking for, I was just looking for um, strong girls. Sometimes we'd be like heading to St. Louis, looking for strong girls, send me your story and then try to find um, girls that would fit. That's that awesome. Kind of, yeah. So it was, it was, it's, it's funny. We kind of perfected it for the boys book. Um, but it's, yeah, it's, it's one of my favorite things is like getting to meet kids, hear their stories and shoot them when they're doing the thing that they love the most, the thing that they're best at usually, the thing they're proud of. Um, and it gives, you know, get this access where I would normally never be, um, which I love. Yeah. I, I mean, and it's going to be so empowering for those little ones, right. To be like, I'm in a book, you know, or, you know, somebody photographed me because of this passion of mine and, um, and to have those images forever. Yeah, no, I think, I think definitely, I think it's like, I think it's, it, it's been a great thing for, for the kids in the books to be, and the boys still hasn't, you know, hasn't come out yet, but the girls that are in the book seem to be really proud of it. Um, my kid, my two kids could care less, but the rest of them <laughs> seem to be proud of it. <laughs> oh my gosh. Um, after, after that book came out, um, you, you did this kind of like commercial tie in with the oxygen network, mm-hmm. um, with the Chicago bliss, which yes. is one of the lingerie football teams. Yes. Did you get any pushback on that from your fans? You know, I did, I did not, but I was I, honestly, I was like, I was a little reluctant when I, cause I didn't know what the way that, that it was, it was kind of proposed to me was like, Oh, it's a woman's football team. And then I was like, that's awesome. That's so cool. And then I did a little re- more research and I was like, Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> like, and so the thing that the, the so the the idea for the shoot was that they wanted um, to show that these show these girls the women the football players um, in regular clothes which was which was important yeah uh, not in bikinis um, wanted to show them like coaching younger girls about football and I was like okay I can get behind that that makes sense to me and then uh, but I still like I went into the shoot kind of with um, this. Like, I was like, ah, you guys are like, I just, I didn't know a lot about it. I was like, oh, you guys are just kind of like hot girls, like not athletes. That's what I thought. And I, I, in talking with them and shooting them, I was really, honestly, I was really impressed with how, how kind they were to the kids, how much they really did want to share football with these girls. Like, cause we had like girls, I guess between like, eight and 13 that were, they were, they were teaching them how to play and catch and, um, and also how, how much they loved football and how, how athletic they were. They're like legit athletes Mm -hmm. that Mm -hmm. I was like, well, who am I to, you know, at that point I was like, who am I to judge what they have to wear to play football? You know, and I kind of, it, it did definitely change my mind that I was like, these women like a sport. 
this is the uniform that somebody else is telling them that they have to wear to play football professionally. And if, who am I to judge? You know, and I, that's the thing that I came to. I was like, I think it's kind of like BS that they have to wear that. But they like the, that's sort of the, that was like sort of the feeling that I got from them was that they wouldn't choose to wear that outfit, but they really did enjoy football. And that's what they kind of had to wear to play football. And I was like, well, that's crap. But good for you for like sticking with the sport that you loved. And this, this is your only way that you get to do it. Like, I don't know. I, I didn't, I still am a little conflicted with it. I was like, I don't know that I want to be promoting this, but at the same time, like I didn't want to, I didn't want to shut it down just because I felt like a, like I was like stereotyping them or prejudging them based on clothing. You know, I was like, sure. well, that's not, that's not what I'm supposed to do. You know? So I was like, all right, I'll give it a chance. And, I was very impressed with those those athletes. I, you know, from like an athlete standpoint, they're incredible. I mean, they really are. And it's unfortunate that nobody um, has found a way or tried to find a way to make a professional women's football league um, successful that doesn't require the um, lack of clothing and lack of safety, I mean, is really what it comes down to because they're not, I mean, the guys are really padded up, mm-hmm. like really padded up. And so to have women playing the same sport. Um, oh, I didn't ever thought about that. Yeah. Cause if they had pads on, right. it would be safer, but they'd be covering up. Yeah. I, I find the whole thing like just complete bullshit basically like that like it yeah like if somebody said to me I had to go play soccer in a bikini I'd be like really like that's that is I don't know just it's just completely not fair right right and again it's the they get tv money Uh and the way they get tv money is by you know going after the very obvious thing and so it, it you know my my thoughts on that league are not about the athletes uh-huh. they're about the people running the league and the decisions that they have made and again in this era of player safety being such an important factor in men's professional sports uh-huh. to not do the same with women's seems short-sighted and yet another way to minimize the importance of women. Yes. That's, I never ever, that's such a good point. I had not thought about the safety aspect. They're, they're not, they're tackling full on tackle. You know what I mean? Like it's not, it's not like it's touch football. No, it's crazy to me. Um, so I, yeah, I was really interested on your take on that whole, um, project. I, I was like, I can't, I went into it with like, kind of like rolling my eyes. Like, like, but then I was like, I'm so glad I had the chance to do this to like, I, I glad I had the chance to show them in a different light, in a light, you know, where they were. And it's funny. I have like a bunch of the, uh, we, there's a bunch of them like blown up around my office that I'm looking at that they, that they are showing, like there's one that one is showing my daughter how to how like to late, you know, place your fingers on 
the laces to mm-hmm. throw a ball and, um, you know, like jumping around with the girls, like they were, could not have been kinder or more encouraging. And, um, and like my, my kids had never seen any girls playing football before. Right. You know, so it was, a, it was a nice, I was just pleasantly surprised and, and more like, I had more like, like, I was just, I had more anger yeah. that, that there's no, that that's how, that's what they have to do to play football. When, no, um, not one of them would choose it. Yeah. I, I mean, and when I, so I've told this story on here before, um, but one of the one of the impetuses for me starting this podcast was um, having met this young this young girl named Charlie, uh-huh. and Charlie is this little redhead freckles um, who loves tackle football, and I think when I met her she was eleven. And, um, her dad works for NASCAR. And, um, so that's how I got to know her was just like through sports and her, um, her team, she's the only one in, on her team who's a girl. And even I think in her league and, um, they were going to be playing at halftime. So we were kind of giving them a tour and Charlie and I like, you know, started talking cause here I am like, and it was the first time that I realized like, oh my gosh. Like little girls are going to look at me as somebody who works for a professional sports team and be like, oh, I kind of want to be like her. Oh, my gosh. You know, and and like all she wanted to do was to continue to play tackle football, but knows that like at some point, you know, she's not going to be able to keep up with the boys. Um, And there's really nothing beyond, you know, age 13 or 14 for girls and um the same night the same game um a writer for sports illustrated mike mcknight was there and he and i just started chatting and he was telling me about how he was doing it was when he was writing his big football in america story and um i was like you need to meet charlie and so I introduced the two of them and she ended up being part of his story. Um, but like this little, you know, little feminist already, like she's, he's like, why do you, you know, why do you keep playing? If it's, she's like, I just want other girls to know that they can play. Oh my gosh. I'm like what? Yeah. yeah. I sat there through the interview, um, so that her dad could bring her brothers to like go buy stuff. Yeah. <laughs> um, cause she gets a lot of attention. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I like, I am like crying as she's answering these, she's was just so well-spoken. And so, um, I was like, I need to find a way for this girl to be able to continue playing. And then mm-hmm. the election happened and, you know, stuff happened. And I was like, okay, no, we, we just need to have mm-hmm. possibility models for girls and who want to work in sports. And yeah. so that's kind of like the impetus, but it was like this little, like, firecracker who kind of like lit it for me oh my gosh that's so cool yeah yeah you're like you're inspiring her but then you're like no you're you're my hero yeah and it's like when you were talking about like the being you know looking perfect and all of stuff like that like I remember the thing that popped into my head was we were walking around and um 
I wear a dress usually to games because <laughs> otherwise it's a suit and it is hot in Tampa. Yeah. So um, I think I was wearing a red dress that day and, and uh, she's like, did you always like to wear dresses? And I was like, no, actually, like I, you couldn't get me in a dress when I was younger. You couldn't get me to brush my hair when I was younger. All I wanted to do was like, she's like, oh, okay, good. Like, uh-huh. like that made her feel better about how maybe she looks or how she acts now. Um, it was, it was really powerful. Like in that moment being like, oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. Yeah. It's amazing. It's, I mean, yeah, so I'm still trying to find a way for Charlie to play football forever. <laughs> we'll get there. Yeah, we'll get there. Um, one of your other series that, I mean, I just adore is Blended. Can you oh, talk about so. that? Sure. Yeah, that started, I mean, like everything else, it's super personal to me. My my sister um, and my brother-in-law adopted um, a little boy named Sam and, um, he's African-American and my sister is like red hair, freckles, like could not, they could not be farther, you know, on the spectrum from looking like each other. And I just, it just, I just started shooting, you know, cause I shoot all the time that I just started shooting, you know, the day that he, the day he was born. Cause we got lucky that um, cause he could have been anywhere in the country, but he was here in Atlanta. So we all had the opportunity to go meet him the day he was born. And, and my, you know, my family, um, a bunch of us live here. And so my parents got to go and my girls got to go meet Sam. And, um, it was just such a, it's such a joyful thing. And my sister and my brother-in-law were so open and they just wanted a child. They didn't care what color they didn't care where what sex they didn't care and they just wanted a child to love and um it was just it's just so beautiful and the sam is you know such a huge part of our family he's almost five now and um it just is a was a just was sort of something i wanted to celebrate and and capture which i was going to do anyway just because it's my nephew but i was like oh my gosh it's just there's so much love here for this child and so much um, so much good came from Sam's, you know, we just felt so lucky to have this little boy, um, in our lives. And, um, it's, it's been amazing. And yeah, that, those, those, my sister still, because she's got red hair and freckles, <laughs> Sam is, I mean, he's the most gorgeous little boy, but she gets recognized. She's like people, um, cause those pictures again, went everywhere. And mm-hmm. so my sister, I think because people know, you know, they know me and they'll, you know, they'll, they don't know my sister necessarily um, where we live, but they're like, I know who you are. That's the thing. Because <laughs> like, they, you know, they kind of, they stand out and it, I think it's such, it's so nice. They stand out in such a good way and, and it's so good for Sam, you know, cause he's now he's, so he's the cover of Heart of a Boy, the book I have coming out in April and he's could, like, like Ella who, was on the cover of strong as you're pretty sam could care less like i think he thinks that's just what happens <laughs> right well yeah what they don't know any better <laughs> no there's no you not know any different well um, and he as a baby was just i mean from the pictures you could tell he was like the squishiest most delicious little like peanut 
he is. He's like the most gorgeous child I've ever seen. He's so, and he's so funny and full of life. And yes, he was a fat little boy. <laughs> and, um, you know, just so cute. And yeah. He, um, yeah, definitely makes for, as a photographer, I'm like, well, thanks for, thanks, Meg. He's adorable. I'm so glad you got a gorgeous baby. <laughs> and, but like nobody, nobody, um, nobody like could be happier that, you know, that we have this, have this great part of our family. Like my sister and her husband, like their family's completed. They're so, they're so thankful. Yeah. And, um, I think for me on the personal level, it just kind of, I have, um, an older stepsister and we didn't really grow up with her. She lived, I don't, I forget where she lived, but she lived in another state and, um, was quite a few years older and she, um, has a, a son and daughter. They're both, I mean, God, they're like almost, they're like 20 now. Okay. Like one's 20, one's like 18. I don't know. It makes me feel really old. Um, but they're mixed race. And so um, I guess the appropriate way to say that would be actually biracial. So let's try that again. Um, okay. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, I, I don't know that either. That's good to know. Um, I, I'm not sure. I, I I think I'm a little over cautious with those with terminology sometimes, but, um, but so like, it just, you know, it kind of, for me, I was like, Oh, it's like Jalen and Lily. And cause Jalen is, um, is much, is a much darker complexion. And so when you put him next to my stepsister, it's, you're just like, you know, it's the same thing. It's, yeah. you know, but, um, but they're, they're such good kids. Um, awesome. yeah. And then when you throw in a squishy, chunky little baby oh, um yeah. i mean like little buddha babies they're yeah. my favorite yeah sam is a gorgeous little boy <laughs> very well well documented yeah. yes um you one of the the great things about having your subjects living in your house um is that they can also help you with your next projects yeah <laughs> like really. a journal um yeah. So how did that end up coming about? Um, it's funny because I was like, I had this idea of like, I, wouldn't it be cool? Like, I wouldn't it be neat if there was a journal or, or like something. I just thought that, that, that I wanted to do some sort of follow up to Strong's New Pretty because it, it like lays out all these ideas for girls to, you know, to be confident and to use your voice and to stand up for yourself and to be inclusive. And I was like, Oh, wouldn't it be nice to do something else that, that helps with that. And for a while, like one day we were driving back from the beach and it hit me. I was like, we could do a journal for girls and like give them prompts that actually ask them and give them reasons to, to use your voice and to be confident, to be inclusive and to try new things and to, to practice thankfulness. And so I, I had the idea and I was funny, I was emailing in the car and I emailed my agent, uh, my literary agent. And I was like, Hey, I have a good idea. And so he called me right away and I, he's like, yeah, I love it. And then, so, so I, we wrote, basically we wrote like, 50% of the prompts, because it was all my husband and my kids, and we broke like 50% of them in the car that day. 
And oh my I gosh. Because he's like, my, I sent it to my agent and I was like, hey, here's, here's kind of what I was thinking. And it like came with like a lightning bolt. It was so quick. And then my publisher, like, it was so crazy because it was like, I called my agent and we were putting together the proposal to send in my publisher. And in between that time, my publisher emailed and said, hey, we, we were thinking about doing a journal. And I was like, are you hacking my email? Yeah. Like, <laughs> we both basically had the same idea at the same time. And um, then it, it came it, it came together really quickly. And it was kind of like felt like, you know, one of those like effortless things that I was like, I, I, I wanted to, I made sure I, I did like focus groups with some, with uh, girls on the run. I did focus groups at schools asking girls, you know, I wanted to make sure that the prompts were fun and interesting and, um, not, you know, I didn't want them all from like a 42 year old mom's perspective. (laughs) I wanted the girl's perspective as well. And so, um, it was, I, I loved it. I loved making it and it was, um, it was just super fun. I'm really, I'm, really excited with how it turned out. I love it. And, um, I, I was, I loved the whole process of it. And it's, it's funny cause I say like my kids could care less about what I do and are like not that interested in, cause it's, you know, it's my work. And I had like one copy of the journal sitting around like a, like an advanced copy sitting around the kitchen. Um, and my daughter was like out, my younger daughter was like, mom, can, can we do this? Can, and they, and I was like, uh, sure. And she and her friend spent like the whole afternoon doing the activities in it. And I was like, Oh, that's a huge, like it was, it was a really like, it was a good, um, like benefit of like, I was like, Oh, well you don't want to like this and you like it. (laughs) (laughs) So it was like, I was like, Oh, that's such a, like a ringing endorsement. Well, and also to have that moment where you're like, I am clearly on the right path. Like I am doing the right things. And I think you've probably had a few of those moments, right? Like, you know, Mm -hmm. with the book initially and, and the response you got just to the series before the book. And then, you know, when it comes that easily, which it all, it won't always. Right. Mm -hmm. But, but to know that, like, I don't know, sometimes it, sometimes you're not sure, right? You're like, am I doing the right things? Am I not doing the right things? Where is this going to end up? And for it to be, I don't know, those moments are, are rare and they're, they're special. Yes. Yes. You definitely appreciate it when you're like, oh, I know this is a good idea. I love it. Like I, I, and I feel like that we, like if you, I always tell, like when I do talks to girls or I'm always like the thing that you, that keeps you up, that like, that you can't stop thinking about. Like you have to trust it. You have to like listen to it and you have to like go, you just have to explore it. Mm-hmm. Um, and because nobody's, nobody's going to, nobody's going to ask you to, you know, it's all on you. Right. Right. And there, there are times when it's, you know, a very clear idea in your head that keeps you awake. And then other times when it's, you're getting the same messages from different sources, right? Yeah. Like you are at five different industry events in the span of three weeks and there is the same message coming from, you know, speakers or, you know, things like that happened to me recently. Oh, what was the message? <laughs> Can you say? <laughs> um, 
to get my story out more and oh, okay. um and to to maybe um to I'm trying to think of the best way to word this to explore um options okay yeah um I could tell you more offline uh, oh yeah no I'd love to um but it it's just one of those like okay I hear you yeah <laughs> Like, I was not listening, but now I listen. Right. It's like, all right, my horoscope is telling me this. These eight speakers have all had the same message. And there's a cloud in my coffee that is the shape of whatever, you know? That is so funny. Um, How did The Heart of a Boy come about as a project? Um, So that one was totally different. So I was working... So as a follow-up for Strong's New Pretty, um, after the journal, um, we, my publisher, I had an idea for a book that I wanted to do next. It was, it's about courage and girls and women. Cause I was like, we're going to do another book about girls, obviously. obviously. And my publisher was like, Hey, um, we'd like you to do something similar to Strong's New Pretty, but we want you to do it for boys. And I was like, what? Like, why do we, why do boys need this message? Like their voices are heard. Our girls are the ones that we need to like, you know, we need to amplify the voices for. And, um, then I was like, all right, they asked me again. And I was like, uh, I don't really want to do this. I don't think it's necessary. Like I don't have boys. So I didn't, I didn't know it. I didn't think it was, I don't know. I just didn't think we needed it. And so I, Basically, like to placate my publisher, I was like, all right, I'll just try. I'll try to shoot a little bit thinking I'm going to shoot this stuff and then go back to them and be like, no, let's do Strong is Doing Pretty too." You know, like we're, <laughs> we're, we're gush. Yeah. And so I, I just scheduled like a few shoots locally um, with boys that I knew just to be like, hey, let me just see. And then I was immediately was like after like one of the shoots, I was like, oh, my gosh. There is so much emotion and vulnerability and um, depth of feeling that I didn't know boys had and I didn't know they wanted to express. And I realized that that so the de- in 2018, the definition for what is acceptable for a girl to be is, is pretty narrow. But the definition for what is acceptable for a boy is even more narrow. Like there's no wiggle room for boys. If you step out of athlete leader, you're lost. You know, there's no, you know, they, they don't have, there's not a lot of options for little boys to be vulnerable and uh, emotional. And I, I just feel like it's time to have that conversation about our boys. Um, and so that's how that started for me. And I felt like instead of being not wanting to do the book or doing it reluctantly, I was like, no, I'm a hundred percent in on this. And I felt like I, it was my mission. Well, and I think, you know, it's coming at such a good time, um, you know, as the topics around um, toxic masculinity and misogyny keep surfacing, right? And we see these um, shootings that are really a, you know, a response to being rejected um, by you know, a woman or a girl and that there's something that's been broken 
in a generation of boys. And part of it is due to the fact that we don't allow them the space to have emotions and therefore they don't learn how to cope with those emotions. Yeah. If, it, if it's something that is just like, I think it's there in little boys, but it's like, it's not encouraged and it's like actively discouraged that it's, it has to come out in some way. Like, I just feel like it's, it's time to like, we are allowing our girls the chance to stand, you know, use their voices and to be loud. And that's encouraged. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I, I'm hoping that the conversation starts to start to allow boys to be fully human. And that's the thing I figured out after shooting both of these books, that it's basically the same message that, that we need to start celebrating our kids for who they are, not who we want them to be, not who we wish they would be, but for who they are and to appreciate and celebrate them for that. And not just kids. And it's so important to start that as kids, you know, because then they grow into fully formed functional human beings. Um, But also for those of us, you know, that are adults and professionals. And it's one of the things that like, I don't know how not to be authentically myself. So it, you know, when I am put into a box, it's, it doesn't work very well for me. Um, and I show the messy and I think it's important to do that. And that's one of the things that I try to allow space for on the podcast too, is for, you know, for so many professional women, especially of certain ages, you've, you know, they've always had to have that like really strong exterior and look perfect and act perfect. And, and that was how you had to be in order to succeed and to allow the space to show the dimensions of, of professional women in sport is really important. And I think makes like, it makes someone like me feel better when I hear, you know, someone talk about how they, I don't know, tripped on the sidewalk on the way to their interview or something like that. Right. And, but I can only imagine how much more helpful that would have been for me in college, you know, or in high school when I realized like, you know, that the messiness that I grew up in, you know, everyone has different levels of, of that messiness. Right. And that it's okay. And that to be successful doesn't mean you have to be perfect. No, exactly. Yeah. And like embracing the things that and make you different and embracing the things that and embracing your failures is Mm -hmm. um like it's the that's what like the girls that i've found and the women that i found that are the most successful are not necessarily the smartest or or the prettiest or the the ones that had the most advantages they're the ones that just never gave up like despite you know failures they just kept moving on like they were gritty they just were like dug in and believed in something and just kept moving forward yeah yeah i and i think i i think more stories just need to be told right so that people get it and and understand that like where they're at in their current space isn't where they always have to isn't where it's always necessarily going to be right and so just keep going yeah exactly yeah um, you, you give, a, a talk at TEDx at Emory. Mm-hmm. What was yeah. that like? Oh my gosh. That was, so that was like, it was the tail end. The la- I think it was like the last thing that I had to do 
for my book tour. And it was just the tail end of my book tour. And I had been, I'd been giving us a, a similar speech for, I don't know, probably like 30, 40 times. And I found out like two days before the event that, um, and so I give my speech and I give my speech with my, with PowerPoint. And oh, like, you know, I have my notes and I, and the notes relate to the pictures and I'm like, and I know it, but I don't, I, I need the prompt. And I realized like two days before the TEDx talk that I don't, I don't have my computer up there and it's all based on the images. And I was like, Oh my gosh. And I was still traveling. Like I was still like, I was on the road that whole week, like really busy giving speeches and, um, just traveling. So it was so stressful to me because I was like, I had not ever given a speech just based on memory. And I didn't think I could do it. And I was like, I don't have time to do this, but it turned out to be like one, another one of those things. Like you just get like pushed into the fire and you're like, how are you going to do? You got, it's you, you, and I knew it, but I just needed, I just needed that little push. And it was, it was great. Like I was really, um, I was really honored to be there and I was like, felt very, again, like undeserving, but, um, I like, you know, cause it's, it was such a mix. Like the person before me gave us talk about concussion protocol and, and then <laughs> my talk is, you know, to, about, you know, showing strength in girls. And so it just was this, it was just sort of a mixed bag of what the speeches were about, but it was overall, it was like a great experience. It was nice. Cause it was like in my hometown and, mm-hmm. um, I, I love the experience of it. I, I think like that whole sharing of ideas and um, yeah, experiences is, is like, it just makes everybody better. Yeah, for sure. I mean, first of all, I, I thought you did a great job. We'll link to the video. Um, and um, I, I'm fascinated by Ted generally. And um, I think without that platform, I probably wouldn't have learned about like Brene Brown and, you know, some of these other really just amazing people who like, because of a video I saw, I bought their books, which transformed part of my life. Right. Like Uh all the, and and so it's such a, a cool platform. And, um, I don't know, one of these days, hopefully I'll get to give a Ted talk. Oh, I'm sure. sure. Very well. Yeah, I feel the same way about like podcasts. Like I spend my whole day like listening. Well, because I'm working, you know, I'm working on images a mm-hmm. lot of the times, and so I can have like half of my brain like basically listening to podcasts. And I learned, I learned so much. Oh and yeah. Like I love, I, yeah, I love it. I'm like, I can't, you know, it's so ins- inspirational. Like I listen to how I built this mm-hmm. all the time. Like I'm always like, Oh, when's the next one? You know, I feel like I've listened to every single one. And it's just, these, it's just these amazing stories of people that, that had failure, but you know, it's, it's just the same story that they believed in something and then they worked their asses off and they failed and they failed and they failed and they just kept moving. Yeah. Yeah. I listen. I, gosh, I, I've had to like call out some of like really just like, go back in, take some out because I was like, all right, I haven't been listening to you. Like if there's yeah. 30 episodes that are stacked up, we're pulling you out now. And, yeah. um, and it's been, you know, I had been listening to Tim Ferriss for a few years, okay. even though he's a, you know, he's a bit of a bro and he does some really interesting experimentation that I wouldn't necessarily suggest, but 
but again, like he's got this great audience. He does a, a very good job and that, you know, he was one of the ones I had been listening to. I've been listening to a, like a Forbes women one for oh, a while. Okay. And I was like, there isn't one about women who work in sport. And so I kind of huh. took his like long form type of interview style and adapted it for myself. Now I'm not talking to like, you know, the chess master of the world, but you know, and we're not talking about experimentation with like different types of mushrooms and stuff, but you know, I think, I don't know, just having listened for a while, it was one of those things that made it helpful when I wanted to start doing this out of thin air. <laughs> Out of thin air, which lawyers for entities don't typically do. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's, not, that's not what you're supposed to, right? Right. So, um, where can everybody find the book and journal, um, Strong's the New Pretty? And then, how can they pre order The Heart of a Boy? So, yeah, the. Everywhere books are sold, you know, it's at Barnes and Noble, it's on Amazon, independent bookstores. Um, and the easiest way I think to, to order pre-order part of the is on Amazon, Okay, um, which is, it's available for pre-order now, which is great. Cool. And then how can people, well, actually, let me ask this first. Um, what do you do by way of self-care? Oh, um, I don't, I mean, I love to work out. For me, like mentally, and I don't know if that like falls into self-care, but for me, it does. It absolutely does. Okay. Cause I'm like, cause it's hard on you, you know? Cause like, I don't, I don't do yoga cause I like, you know, I think I like to sweat. Um, so I will, I'll make sure I get in a run or I go to orange theory, which I love. I just came from there. Um, oh, I love orange theory too. I, it's so expensive though. So yeah. I, it's super uh, expensive, but like, so yeah. for me, I'm like, I'm not worrying about the expense cause I need, I need that. Like, cause I won't lift on my own. I don't right. like lifting. So it makes me lift. And mm-hmm. I like the running part, um, and the sweating part. Yeah. <laughs> and like being so tired, I can't think about other thing part. <laughs> no, I agree. I, when I did it for a while, um, I absolutely loved it. I just couldn't, I, I just couldn't keep it budget wise, but I, have have found discovered a new app that I'm going to try all this week that is allegedly um a good like fill in for OTF. Yeah. Gonna, yeah, let me know what that is if you like it cuz you know when I am on the road I don't I can't, can't right. always get a, a class. Right. Um but working out definitely counts as self-care. I mean, self-care doesn't always have to be fluffy, right? It can, okay. It's just whatever it is that you need to take mm-hmm. care, to literally take care of yourself mentally, physically, emotionally, right? Yeah. yeah. And it's also for me, I've learned, it's also saying no to stuff. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, it's saying no to commercial jobs sometimes that, that, are, that are too far or, they're, or it's too long a trip or it's during... You know, I just said no to a job um, in Thailand that I would have loved to go to, but it's during my daughter's finals and it's right before Christmas. And right. I can't, you know, I, they, my, I need to be home. Like I figured that the, that, yeah, like there's these saying, I can't remember exactly how it goes, but it's like your mental health is not, is, you know, like not worth it. And for me, I'm like, 
okay, is that because I, I struggle like with travel and being away and I don't, I'm such a homebody. I don't like it. Right. And so, and, I, but I love my job. So mm-hmm. it's hard because I'm like, oh, is that, because I know I'll be okay once I go, but that leading up to like a trip or, or, um, like a speaking engagement or if I'm leaving, I just, I just really am like, I dread it. I dread it. I dread it. And then I'm fine. But I just, if I know that it's like too long or I'll just, now I'm, now I'm okay with being like, you know what? I'm not, that's not the last job I'm going to get. And for a while I, I I still feel like everything's going to fall apart and I'm never going to work again every time that I ever do anything. (laughs) But I know, I guess like, like my husband's always like, well, that's not the trend. (laughs) yeah and and listen I think first of all you work for yourself right so I know a lot of entrepreneurs that's that's something that they that they struggle with generally especially those who do you know um, client-based work yeah and then on top of that is like the imposter syndrome thing like they're gonna find me out and realize like eh, not so much like Yeah. yeah you know and, and part of it also goes back to like, you didn't always have that opportunity, right? Like you were trying to get jobs whenever you could. And so I think it's great that you've now come to a, I'm going to be very woo woo right now, but a mindset of abundance mm-hmm. as opposed to scarcity, which is something I'm working on. Oh, and what is, so what is that like that your mindset is that it's not the last time there'll be more. Yeah. That, okay. that there's enough. You are enough and there is enough. Oh, okay. No, yeah. I forgot about that part about me being in there. Yeah. yeah. No, I that. <laughs> like, no, no, I'm never enough, but there will be. <laughs> oh, I highly doubt that. Um, but, but yeah, you know, like, yeah, you're enough and that there is enough. And I think that's something that actually for women, professional women, women in, who work in extremely male dominated industries, which is like 99.9% of industries, Yeah, you know, we are starting, I, I've seen this more, but we are starting to get to a point where we realize that positions for women don't have to be a scarcity. And so we don't have to compete against each other. Right. Mm-hmm. And that there is enough for all of us. And, you know, I mean, granted, like, yes, there's only going to be one president of this one company at a time, but that doesn't, you know, that doesn't mean that we have, like, we can lift each other up and there'll be enough for all of us, basically. Definitely. Which is an important thing to keep top of mind because I think the old trope of, you know, being catty and fighting each other and everything is, well, old. Yeah. No, we don't, we don't, there, yeah, there's, I think that, that like lifting others up. And, and for me, I'm always, I would, I always want to, I want to have as many women there and as, cause it, and as many, you know, as many people and races and things represented as possible because it just makes everything better. Right. I, yeah, I, I can't, I definitely am not, I'm not smart enough or have lived enough or done enough to be able to, you know, show all viewpoints. So, have them there at the table. Yeah, for sure. I, I totally agree. I mean, plus that would be an exhausting life if you had all of those yeah. experiences. Yeah. I mean, and honestly, it's already exhausting enough. Um, <laughs> yeah. 
I say as I'm thinking of taking a nap. Um, <laughs> it's my day off. I can do what I want. Uh, yeah. <laughs> how can people get more information about you and your business, about Strong as a New Pretty? You know, what, what do they follow? What websites do they oh, go to? Sure. So you can, um, you can follow Strong as a New Pretty on Instagram or Kate T. Parker on Instagram. And um, it's the same on Facebook, Kate T. Parker or Strong as a New Pretty. And then um, my website is just Kate T. Parker. Awesome. Um, yeah. So they're both. Strong as a New Pretty um, is kind of more for the girls. And then Kate T. Parker is just a mix of like all the projects I'm working on. Awesome. Very cool. Well, thank you so, so much for coming on the podcast today. Thank you so much for having me. This was great. Thank you so much, Kate, for working with me when I wasn't always the best at scheduling and for taking so much time to talk with me today. Um, Again, I fangirled. I couldn't help it. I just love her work so much. Um, and I'm, I'm looking forward to her new book coming out. Um, and then whatever she does in the future, it'll be really, really cool. Um, so make sure you check her out at all of the social and um, on Amazon for all of the books. And, you know, take that 30 seconds and, and just, you know, click the five-star rating for, for this podcast in your podcast app. Um, I may or may not have taken everyone's phones at Thanksgiving and done that myself. <laughs> so, you know, don't make me come to your house, all right? Just, just press it. Um, and then make sure you are also subscribing. We're on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, and of course you can find us at RadioInfluence.com or LTPFPod.com, which um, some news there. We're going to be doing a bit of a refresh on the website soon, so uh, I'll let you know when that happens. Also, join the conversation at our private Facebook group. Um, you can either go to um, at LTPF pod on Facebook and then from the page you can join the group or just search leveling the playing field group on Facebook and you'll find it. Um, so please join us and answer those questions. Those are really important. And then of course we're on Instagram and Twitter at LTPF pod. Feel free to send us an email ltpfpod at gmail.com. And thank you as always for being here. Talk soon. This is a Jim Fannin Show Quick Fix on Radio Influence. Happiness is the following to me, and I'd like to share that with everyone. Having passion in more than one life arena. So many of the times we ignite that passion in a hobby or relationship or we ignite that passion in our business, but don't place all your happy eggs in one basket. Uh, Are you listening, business people? I mean, this is a wise investment, but that includes just not business and, and in life. Have passion in everything and find the passion in everything. Happiness to me is understanding that everybody has unhappy moments. This shall pass, and it does. Trust me. (laughs) Beware of people to say, trust me. But it'll pass. We have unhappy moments. But that doesn't mean you have to have an unhappy day. 
get over it. Learn from the lessons needed. You obviously needed to learn something in that unhappy time. And um, happiness is making other people happy. And that's even strangers. Yes, the golden rule is still around. It still applies. And uh, this is one of the giving parts of thanksgiving. And and that would be, uh, obviously, the golden rule. Knowing that you're an integral part of something greater than yourself, uh, you're part of a spiritual force that permeates and connects all of us. We all have differences, but there is that sense of being human that connects all of us. The Jim Fannin Show can be found on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, Google Play, and RadioInfluence.com.